0: hi and welcome to that podcast episode thirteen I'm dave and I'm beau and I'm hoping this will reach everyone before the holidays so happy holidays to everybody uh you are you all ready for it bo uh we're we're getting there we we've been uh busy getting some things getting things prepared so yeah it's gonna be fun yeah we've been uh we got prepared quite early this year particularly with presents and things we've been buying gifts since around September like just slowly picking things up when we saw them mm-hmm uh, so we're quite pleased about that. I haven't done any sort of grocery shopping or anything. So uh, we're, the, our stock-up are a bit depleted at the minute, but we're certainly uh, better organized than we have been in previous years.
1: Nice. Yeah, we're, our our present situation is a little different than 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 what we would traditionally do during Christmas. We we haven't gotten a whole lot for each other or for the family. Um, I, th- I think you asked me early on if I had, had figured out something to get back, and uh, we we've kind of decided to not do a lot of presents so um what we uh what what we've been doing is getting things for the family sort of so like the things that she has gotten me that are, are secrets that i don't know about um apparently they're just for the family so yeah. <laughs> um it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a fun year um as far as like decorating and stuff this year was a lot of fun with luke um last year we lived with another family so it was all their stuff like their christmas trees and everything um, mostly their ornaments and, you know, all of our stuff was packed away in storage. So this year was the first year he actually got to decorate a Christmas tree and got to go through that whole process. And, you know, most of, like, he hadn't seen any of our Christmas stuff since he was like two. So he didn't remember it. So like we yeah. had a bunch of ornaments and stuff and he had, he's even made some ornaments. Like, you know, he had, we had a little one-year-old handprint Christmas ornament uh, from him with blue paint that, that uh, grandma helped him make. That he hadn't seen, you know, he didn't remember any of that. So it's been, it's been a, it's been a fun year for, for that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a few, uh, things that the kids have made. Um, there's actually a little coffee shop not too far away from us. It's called Tea and Biscuit, as in, but bisque spelt with B I S Q U E. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's a little coffee shop with the twist that they have loads of, uh, pottery things with, and paint for kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, you go and have a cup of coffee, but the kids get some, in like christmas tree decorations to paint mm-hmm. or teapots or money boxes stuff like that so the kids would go there every now and then and we had a few things to hang up this year so that was kind of nice that's cool nice so what's happening this week uh the last two weeks since we recorded
1: well uh we actually have a lot of podcast updates uh, yeah th- there was a lot of chatter um First of all, I wanted to uh, mention the voicemail again. The voicemail number is one 979 353 Anyone who ever wants to can just call in and leave us comments or uh, stuff that they want us to play online or play on the, the episodes, and we will. Um, I actually got a, a ping from uh, Lazy Guru um, on uh, Twitter. He or she, well, I'm guessing it was a he, Um I'm pretty sure it was. I can't remember what his name was, but I know he was definitely a guy. Uh, pinged someone named Kalen Jordan um, and kind of looped us into a conversation. And um, it's for Mage Talk Magento podcast. Okay. And uh, they they one of one of the co hosts had said, um, "Hey, maybe we should have a way for people to send in audio clips for us." So Lazy Guru mentioned us and said, "Hey, I know that that podcast has um, uh, the same capabilities." So I jumped in and pointed him to your voicemail app. So. Oh, cool! Um, so thank you, Lazy Guru, for uh, helping spread the word about that podcast. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, we've also talked a lot about iTunes reviews, and we haven't really gotten that many. Like we had that those first two, um, and I I met I met someone on on uh, IRC actually by way of PHP mentoring. Um, it was either PHP mentoring or PHP women. I can't remember which. Uh, it was uh, Christian uh, Toffenin i'm not sure exactly how you pronounce his last name i'm sorry about that um and uh in the course of the conversation uh he said something along the lines of i'm, I'm that crazy person who left you a review uh, i'm the only crazy person who left a review on the dutch itunes store i All said right. what what do you mean the dutch itunes store so as it turns out um we actually have more reviews <laughs> oh, <cool. laughs> um and they're uh they're region specific so um the, the review that uh, uh, Christian left was, if you're looking for a relaxing and enjoyable chat between two developers about programming stuff, holidays, family, and pets, well, this is your podcast.
0: Oh, very um, nice.
1: I also went to, uh, what's what's GB? Is that Germany? GB? Yeah. Great Britain. Is that Gr- Great Britain? Why I, I thought so, Germany? yeah. Um, so uh, s- someone by the name of Jim o, J-A-M-O-E yeah, says- That's uh, James Porter. is that's James Porter. Oh, okay. So you know what? Uh, that is who, um, I think that must've been who told me originally that he was going to boot up windows to go leave an iTunes review for us. Well, I finally found it. Uh, it's on the, the, the specifically the great Britain. uh, Right. Uh, that's so weird. Yeah. So he says, I love this podcast. The guys gel so well, they talk, they both talk as though they've known each other for years. Very easy to listen to. And I always come away of having learned something new. So thank you, James. Um, and thank Thank you, Dave, for remembering, uh, uh, James' name, I guess. <laughs> well, is I, that is, is that like a, a a nickname, or
0: is that? I think Jammo is an old uh, from his old gaming days. Okay, as a nickname. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Well, that's, that's awesome that you were able to <laughs> remember that. So yeah. thank thank you. Uh, we do love reviews. Um, anytime anyone wants to sh- to um, shout out about us and say how much you you love us, uh, that's awesome It helps spread the word. So we appreciate that.
0: Yeah, if you um if you don't want to call in the voicemail and just want to get in touch with us, you can catch us on Twitter, or just email hello at thatpodcast.io is another way. You know. Hmm.
1: Yep. And of course IRC. Uh, the IRC channels actually had some more chatter lately. There's a couple of people in there who actually uh, talk pretty regularly. So uh, we're uh, pound that podcast or hash that podcast on freenode. Yeah. Uh, we're also on Stitcher now. Uh, I started looking around for ways to kind of spread spread our uh audience a uh, little bit and um I had a recommendation to add the podcast to Stitcher. um it's kind of just a looks like it's a aggregate of uh podcasts sort of similar to iTunes store uh, except they have their own app to actually do that and they track things in different ways. So um if anyone prefers listening to Stitcher, you can find us on Stitcher. Uh, I also added the link to the website. So
0: that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, one yeah. thing, uh, just on the website, uh, kind of, kind of related. Um, did we suffer so an outage on the website because of the DNS problems? With uh, yeah, we did. I just um, wondered because I knew who is who's the company. I don't use them. Is it Simple DN DNS? Simple DN Simple. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just wondered uh, if you did try to get to our website <laughs> uh, a week or two ago. Uh, DN Simple was under a massive DDoS, wasn't it? So uh, yeah, we should. Um, yeah it doesn't really matter for this site but uh if you don't have uh, any sort of redundancy in your dns you should take care of that now
1: yeah i i'm guilty of that um i i started using dnsimple at some point just because they uh they offered a a really nice interface to managing zone files um and it's really reasonably priced compared to something like say uh route 53 um it's it's, it's a similar sort of thing I don't. I don't think Route 53 actually has a, a UI or a nice UI. Do they?
0: Do you know? Uh, no idea. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I I had been using um, just the whatever the registrars tools were, and those were just so painful um, to try and use the registrars tools. So I, I eventually started moving people to all of my zones to um, DNSimple for management. And I've had a couple of issues with it. It's for the most part, it's pretty, pretty nice. Um, but during that outage, I just kind of had to throw my hands up and say, yep, things are down now. Um, (laughs) uh, I I don't have the, the resources to set up redundancy or manage my own DNS anyway. And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. Um, so I just kind of, that was one of those rare instances where I just had to kind of forget about all of my website are down notifications that I got. And and I don't know.
0: It happens, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I don't
1: really have any other uh, podcast updates. I don't really have a lot of family updates either. Uh, Beck and Luke were gone for two days, um. So that was that was kind of fun. They get to go see the the family that we used to live with. They moved about two hours away from us. Uh, so both families moved at really close at the same time, within about two weeks, I think. So we don't get to see them as much as we used to, given we used to live with them. Um, and they aren't even as close as they used to be. They would have been about a half hour away from us before, but now they're two hours. So uh, Beck's been going up there. They just have a baby boy. Uh, I think He's three months old now, or close to that. I think he was born in August. Um, so So they were away, so I had three days alone here at home. So I could just focus on coding, which was kind of fun.
0: Very nice. Yeah. Well, uh, our family news, I mean I mentioned last time Evie it was her birthday coming up and we'd arranged a party where with these party organizers and it was so good. I was so impressed. Um the moment we walked in there they were like they, they were these two ladies and they had um they had headsets on wired up to the, the PA the you know, sound system. And they were just like they had a permanent smile on. Um, I don't know what, uh, kids TV is like in, uh, in America, but in, in, in this country, at least most of the time, or quite a few of the channels have sort of like, um, hosts on the channel. And in between the cartoons and things, they do goofy things or they, mm-hmm. you know, show pictures of kids' whose birthdays. Then they were, these two ladies were like those kids TV show presenters. <laughs> they were just permanently happy and permanently yes. enthusiastic and excited. And it was just really good. I mean, even the things I hadn't considered, like, they had, like, even the chairs had a nice uh, chair covers, you know, that you wouldn't do for you if you were managing it yourself. Uh, all the decor was great. The sound system was great. The games they played were great. Uh, so, Ooh. yeah, it was thoroughly recommended. Uh, if you if you have that kind of facility available to <laughs> you in your area, I'd recommend it. So that right. was really cool. Um, Evie had her nativity at preschool, which... um was at a, we didn't realize now they told us she had a big part and it wasn't until the actual day that I realized she was the lead role in her, uh, in her little nativity. She was a donkey called Maurice and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and she crashed and burned really. She was, oh. I felt so sorry for her because everyone, all the other kids were kind of in groups of two or three and sat near each other where she was just sat at the front on her own and there must have been 40 to 50 parents turned up to watch it was rammed full there was you know it was there was it was only it was standing room only for a lot of people and she was so nervous and she at the beginning she sang um the songs and signed because they, they learned a lot of sign language at our preschool it's quite good uh, but by about halfway through she kind of stopped singing and she didn't say any of her lines <laughs> But <laughs> so I felt awful uh, for okay. her. But apparently the next performance, I spoke to the, the staff and I said uh, my my mum was coming to watch this time. And I'd, I told my mum to get there early so she could get a seat right at the front. Because I thought if if my mum was sat right at the front and Evie could kind of concentrate on my mum rather than mm-hmm. all the other parents, they would be sat in front of her she might be a mm. bit more confident. So uh, the staff actually went and put a reserved sign on one of the seats. <laughs> so my mum was sat literally two or three feet in front of Evie and uh, oh, she did a lot better. So she sang nice. all the way through and she said quite a lot of her, her lines as well. So cool. Yeah. It was cool. awesome. I mean, even though she was like, you know, she crashed and burned f- for the performance I was at. It was, it was still nice just to see her singing and stuff. She enjoyed the first half and then the nerves got to her.
1: Yeah. So yeah, our, yeah, uh, Luke has uh, Luke's been going to Sunday school uh, at church and on s- I think this coming sunday the the Sunday before Christmas um, there all of the kids are doing um, something during the, the the late service at church so uh, he's gonna get up there and be doing some singing and stuff like oh, that cool. so uh, I, it's not I don't think it's as uh, it this it sounds like that was almost like a play that Evie was in yeah it was um, uh,
0: I can't remember what it's called. Uh, oh, Away in a Manger. Okay. It's a specifically like made for preschool kids. Yeah, yeah. I think
1: this is more just a collection of songs that they're going to be singing. At least that's what that what we, under, we understand. It looks like the um, they did like a dress rehearsal uh, this last Sunday, and it looks like the older kids are going to be wearing like shepherd's outfits and things like that. Yeah. But the the little kids are just uh, like the you know preschoolers and the like, I don't know how old they they go up to. Um, they're just going to be there, so they're not going to be in like an outfit or anything. So. Um, but yeah, so that, that'll be kind of fun, but he will be up in front of the church singing in front of a bunch of people. So, mm. uh, it, it'll be fun to watch that. Yeah. So how about
0: work this week? What have you been up to?
1: Um, work this week, um, work this week was kind of disrupted by a couple of things. Um, I focused on a couple of, uh, what, one of my, uh, big projects that I haven't been able to spend enough time on for a while. Um, So it was kind of nice to get a little, little more time on that. I've been working more with uh, the person I've been uh, contracting with. Um, So that was good. I got to spend a lot of time on that. We're starting to make a lot, lot of progress on that Um, and having all of the tools are just really great. I don't know if I had mentioned that last episode, but I've been really happy with uh, the way that everything's been integrated. I'm using Slack with, with my contractor and been using um scrutinizer which i think we've talked about mm-hmm. and what's the other i think i hooked it into trello yeah so trello is the other thing so um, i feel like things are a lot more organized now i've been able to stay ahead on actually planning things I've i probably i don't know i i, I have actually lost track of the, the amount of time i've been spent planning but i'm actually feeling like i'm doing it right now um i'm taking the time to actually spell these things out and trying to get past that feeling of, well, we, I could do this whole thing in like 30 minutes. Why am I going to take 15 minutes to, to write out how to do it? Um, which is never true. It's always going to take you longer than 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really hard for me, has been really hard for me to take that time. And so, mm-hmm. um, I've spent a lot of time over the last two weeks, uh, just working on building out the stories and planning things and basically just handing it off to someone else to do the work. So
0: that's nah. been, that's been good. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Um, we're looking, well, we have, um, agreed to do, to take on a contractor, uh, not to do a lot of work, uh, but it's kind of to provide a little bit of cover for me. So a bit of knowledge share uh, with somebody else. And, and because of that, I've slowly been putting more and more effort into things. Uh, we, like, we have a Slack channel that's just for me at the minute. But I have all the integrations going, so I, I actually really like just having that nice timeline of all the different services, you know. Yeah. You know, I mean, basically, you can see it, you know, you see it when I push to GitHub, and then Jenkins says it's built, and mm-hmm. then uh, Jenkins actually deploys to our staging environment for us, and our Fabric actually pings Slack to say, oh, yeah, I've just promoted version so-and-so on staging, and and mm-hmm. seeing that timeline is really nice, even even just for me on my own. Um, yeah. But, Yeah. And things like Trello, what I've been doing with Trello is I've actually been putting my thoughts down into the tickets, which I wouldn't have done previously, uh, or I'm putting more thoughts down because mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm starting to think it might not actually be me who picks this ticket up in the future. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. The, so far, the only, the only thing that I've run into was there was one, one user story that I submitted that uh, my contractor ended up working on for like maybe an hour or two. And then I ended up picking it up and spending another four hours on it, right? Um, just because there were a lot of things that I hadn't really considered. Um, I'm trying to do the uh, the s thing with, you know, we're full on using the commanding pattern, and then it's, so it's asynchronous, like it's going to go off. Uh, so you need to have a monitor URL and come back, um, which I had done. Uh, we had done already with the, the create task, you know, create our creator a resource of something, um, and then the next thing that we tried to do was put. Uh, just just put this one little thing there. Just make this one little change, and I had neglected to realize that. Well, every every time we do a put, we need to implement this this monitor thing for it, and I hadn't really considered that. So that put was actually two stories. It was put and then put to delete, um, which is kind of a, a weird way. I'm not sure that's actually the right way to do it, but um, in this case, I think it makes sense. But so that meant that there needed to be two monitor two additional urls to do the monitoring so it that ended up turning out to be pretty hairy so it was um it's it, it's uh it's been nice to have that but i've also seen where it's fallen down but the less the less of, of that happening i think the better and i think the more that i do it the easier it's going to get so mm. um the hate stuff with the monitoring stuff that was that was an interesting thing to try to work through have you done much with that or
0: no i don't do I just basically don't do the monitoring part that you do. I mentioned I do sometimes say, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've accepted that. Um, It might be ready for you later, but I don't do that. The thing is, I mean, the the only API I have is one that I consume myself. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, the only serious API I have. Uh, Yeah, I'll say that again. The only hate OS API Mm -hmm. I have is one I consume myself. And when I do do things like creates that are probably eventually consistent, the fire and forget usually, so I don't need to worry about the monitoring part. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I I yeah. mean I, I talked to you as you were doing it, and it it looked very nice what your implementation that you ended up with.
1: Yeah, I, I I was pretty happy with it. I I've been I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, when is it truly fire and forget, and when do I need to know? And in this particular domain, and I actually talked with my contractor about it a little bit and kind of got his feedback, um, some of these things are pretty important because I'm dealing with like inventory levels and Mm. creating purchase orders and things like that. And, you know, if if someone in the UI says, okay, decrease the amount of this item that I want to purchase, and then they click save because I've said, okay, I've fired and forgotten. (laughs) And then they click you know, send this purchase order, and meanwhile, that purchase order hasn't actually finished, or for some reason, rejected that that change that I made. You know, that could that could be really bad if someone orders, you know, a thousand parts instead of a hundred, because you know, it, because I because it, the UI didn't wait to inform them. Yes, this is actually this has actually been a successful command. Um, so I think that most of there will probably be some parts of my domain that it won't matter that I'm working on now, but I think a lot of the stuff is pretty critical to actually make sure that, that you wait to make that the system knows that it was actually accepted. Um, I don't, I I haven't done this commanding pattern a whole lot in the past and I'm finding that it leads to to lots of repetition. Um, Do you know what the big advantage is of using the command bus versus doing something just like
0: interacting directly with like an interactor? Um, well, the bus itself is less of the the advantage to me. The the bus itself is nice because you can decorate it. It's a single point of entry, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the actual it's sort of the command oriented interface is what I like. You know that you creating that 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 boundary. You are creating that boundary that safe uh, that keeps the interface to your app simple. That you're using mm-hmm. primitives or value objects. That's the advantage to me. Um, as far as Directly calling the interactors or handlers. I mean, because you could call a command handler directly yourself if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think there's less. I mean, if you wanted to do that, it's not a big deal, but you do lose that kind of advantage, especially, I mean, just running the, if you go through the bus, you're usually going to run things through a transaction. You're gonna log things I emit mm-hmm. um stats to stats d now which is nice so I can literally monitor I get live stats about how many commands are failing how many commands are uh, successful mm-hmm. um you get that thing i that I have now where a lot of my commands go through a message queue um so those things that I know are, are fire and forget mm-hmm they go through a message queue and they don't have to be dealt with there. And then during a, a normal red, uh, web request. But what sort of uh, repetition are you finding? Because I find it quite nice.
1: Um, well, I think the repetition is probably coming in from the, uh, the event sourcing stuff, because basically there's a one to one map between most of the commands. Well, yeah, between most of the commands and the events. Um, I do have a bunch of other events that are not directly related to a command, but you know the the create brand command maps one to one with the brand was created event, and yep. the the only difference between them is the name of the class and the, the the sub namespace that they're in.
0: Um. So. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, it, it what's so the repetition is what creating the classes for the events and the commands or. Because it's not that do- that yeah. big a deal to raise them, is it?
1: No, no, it's not. It's it's none of it's really that big of a deal. I'm just noticing that there's a lot of this repetition. That, mm. um, you know, it, it's it's not like I have eight models and there are eight things that look sort of alike. It's there are eight models and each of those models have eight things, uh, of which four of them are identical to each other. Where it starts to really explode pretty quickly. Yeah. as to the amount of classes that you have that look alike, um, that form the same
0: sort of thing. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I probably haven't got that because I'm not, so I've not, I'm doing this, most of my usage is in a, a an older application, so a legacy application, and I tend to move either very simple things that's going to be really quick and easy, or I move complicated things where I want to create a nice specific boundary. You know, in terms of like um, sort of create things that doesn't happen all that often in our system mm-hmm. um you know we register you, re- you know our user registers, which is one big operation, but they don't really create much stuff uh, you you're this is for the inventory management app, right, yes, yeah, so you are going to be creating things quite often, no doubt, yeah, but it doesn't happen on, in my application, mm-hmm. so I'm probably not seeing that kind of repetition you have, but I am seeing this huge advantage for me of. Um, having that single point of entry. So like things like login, transaction management, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, shoveling things onto the queue to be executed asynchronously is really useful for me because I can just put anything on there. And I've also got to this point where I, d- I don't use commands. I mean, I'm doing this as, you know, the tactical way. I'm not doing full DDD type things. So I'm also using it for odd jobs that you would just would use. Um, I mean, so in the Ruby world, you'd use, um, I've forgotten the name of it now. Well, anyway, in, in the PHP world, uh, Laravel has queue things mm. where you can, you know, you can, you can even push a closure onto the queue in Laravel. Mm. There's a Bernard PHP from Henrik Bionskov, guy who we talked to in a Silex PHP on IRC quite a lot. And those kind of, uh, queue things, I have that and it's just the usual command bus that I use because mm. I can shovel these things onto the queue to be executed later. And I, I find that really good.
1: Yeah, the the big thing for me, um or the the big reason that I'm excited about it is that I I want to eventually do asynchronous stuff. Um, but I'm spending a lot of time making sure that everything works asynchronously when Broadway doesn't have an asynchronous uh command bus implementation yet. Um so like I, I see that as one of the big benefits of having like this one place where you can put stuff and then something happens somewhere else. Uh sort of like an event but more um uh like I'm actually driving it, as opposed to something being the result of something. Mm-hmm. This is what causes those things to happen. Um, so, I conceptually I understand it, but also it's it just feels like a lot of a lot of extra classes are being created. A lot of extra work is being done to support this when I'm not really realizing the full benefits. Because you know my my controllers when I use Interactor pattern are just as small as they are now. They're just like the interface to the system is just this tight and controlled the only difference i feel with the command bus is that you're adding the bus that's yeah definitely um, that is you know instead of creating the, the the interactor request and passing it directly to the interactor itself um you know there's there's something in between there where you're saying okay something go do this so i feel like there's are similar but if i'm not actually getting asynchronous out of the the uh out of the deal is it worth it for me um so I don't know. It's, it's something that I've been looking at. And, uh, I know that like my contractor just last night was saying, you know, this is a really complicated system. Do we really need to make it this complicated and have all of these different pieces? And, uh, but you know, he, he was referring to like the projectors and the read model and the full, full decoupled yeah. everything. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's going really well. I'm really happy with it, but it's also at a point where it's like, yeah, there's
0: a lot of code already and it's not doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, if you followed uh, something like uh, Uncle Bob's clean architecture and, or followed his visio- videos and things, when he's doing that EBI style thing with an interactor and request and response objects or request and uh, responder uh, mm-hmm. objects, right? um, he usually has some sort of use case activator, he calls it, which is a very similar thing to the command bus. It's just... Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same deal, really. Yeah, he calls it reg, he even says you register interactors to handle specific requests and so on. It's very much the same thing, just to have a single point of entry, I think. Um, yeah. I think the complexity you're seeing is probably more to do with, uh, the CQS, so separating commands and queries, and then Mm -hmm. also the whole domain events and event sourcing. So not only have you bolted on, so take that EBI thing. It draws a line at uh, the whole sort of single point of entry and boundary, boundary creating a boundary using uh, primitives and value objects. Mm -hmm. You've gone beyond that to also start doing the domain events and everything that listens to projects on from there Mm -hmm. and event sourcing as well. Yeah. So I have the commands and the handlers I have domain events, and I have things that process those events. But I don't do projections. I don't do um, most like of my, my sourcing. events. I don't do event sourcing. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I don't have any projections to make because my mm-hmm. um, I just tend to do tasks based on the events. If you see what I mean. So, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's the commanding side of things. It's not a command handling that's. Uh, I think it's no. everything. Well, all, everything all at once.
1: Yeah. No, no, no. It's uh yeah, I mean the whole system as a whole, there's there's a lot going on, definitely. Um it's the it I think the main thing that, that kind of jumped out at me was the one to one map between like I had been doing the event sourcing before, I had been playing with that quite a bit. Now that I've added the command handling onto it as a part of Broadway, um I've noticed this one, this it's it's an exact one to one map for I would say ninety percent of my commands and events so far. Um, I will have a, more events down the line that are a little more varied, um, or, or more more detailed. But for right now, it seems like there's almost in almost all cases it's a one to one map. There's just a few little little places here and there. So
0: yeah, but and this is the beginning of the project as well, isn't it? Yeah. So as you get to more complicated user stories and whatnot, it'll get more. Yeah, yeah, seem we're starting
1: to run into some more complicated things and so pretty. I, I I actually spent all, some time uh, looking up good ways to. Track inventory between locations and things like that, and yeah, uh, c- kind of ended up on like an accounting model with a journal, like a uh what is it? the the two double entry accounting, D- double entry, yeah, double
0: entry accounting sort of thing. So, i just a side note on double entry accounting. If you are a programmer and you do not understand or do not know double entry accounting, stop what you're doing right now <laughs> and go and read about it because I think it's such an important thing and such a yeah, you know, everyone should know about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and I I haven't ever seen it in in software like I I've, I've never seen an implementation of it so um, it is an important thing that I think that it probably solves a lot of problems that I've tried to solve in horrible other ways in When the you past. say
0: when you say you've not seen an implementation do you not do you mean you've, you've not seen code or do you mean you've not seen it or not used a piece of software that does double entry I've never seen code
1: I've never yeah. seen it. I've never seen a, an actual software implementation of it. So I've I'm used kinda, software, but
0: never seen the code. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I know that uh, probably the most obvious example would be QuickBooks. I, I've, yeah. I've gotten pretty decent amount of experience using QuickBooks now, especially doing the manual journal entries. Um, so I kind of have a better idea how all of that works. But how behind the scenes it actually works, it's I, I don't really know. But I can see now that uh, using event sourcing for something like that is going to be really useful because uh, it seems like it plays in really nice because really the events are gonna be the journal entries, mm. and um so yeah, I don't know, I think it's gonna gonna be a pretty good match for what I'm doing and i just i spent some i spent about a half a day looking up uh how one would implement that, and I had a suspicion that it would be the double entry stuff, but i I don't know i just i started googling around i I don't know if we've talked about this before, but I'm really bad at googling things for some reason. I never know the right things to type in. So I was trying to find out how would you implement uh, inventory management between multiple locations and, you know, purchase orders and all these other things. And I never really found any mm. good pages that even talked about that. They were either implementing double entry accounting just with like accounts and, and you know, transfer between like money accounts, or it was like, you know, big full-fledged accounting systems that manage inventory for you it's like well that's I, I don't want to i don't want that i don't need that i know how to do that or i know how to buy that but i want to i want to write that so um, that, that so that i guess that was kind of a f- fun thing that i spent some time on uh, i actually got to talk to my client about that i showed him kind of what i came up with like all of the state state transitions and everything and we walked through that um, and it was really good because he actually had a couple of other things that i hadn't really considered um uh that the diagram already included uh concepts that his current software doesn't support. So that was pretty good. So I was gonna find a uh I had found a, a solution or I had guessed or inferred a solution that he didn't hadn't even talked to me about, uh which was good. But then at the same time there was another piece that was sort of similarly related that I hadn't caught on to. So um I get to change the domain model a little bit before we've even coded it. Uh but I had I think I have like ten user stories already in Trello to implement that and I and I was able to spend enough time researching it beforehand and thinking about it that uh, I moved all of those stories into the queue last night because uh, the queue got pretty small. So um, I moved them all in so that uh, my subcontractor can just start working on it.
0: So That, that is cool. Yeah. Just while we're on this, um, so I think this was Sean McCool who started it. He uh, started a little, I don't know what you call it, maybe a uh, group uh, called Dev Discussions, Um I can't remember the air off the top of my head. It's probably devdiscussions.com. And basically what he's done so far is he's just recorded chats with his, uh, sort of peers, um, about programming topics. And he's put it together. There's a website with uh, links to the previous chats and there's an IRC channel. And uh, they happen to be discussing sort of command handling, uh, tonight. Um, mm. so t- we're recording today on Friday. Um, so it will be too late for the listeners, but there will be a recording of it, no doubt, uh, on devdiscussions.com. I will put the URL in the show notes. Cool. So that's, uh, the recording about seven o'clock my time. So what's that to you? One o'clock this afternoon, if it is of yeah. any, tr- any, interest to you with, um, it's Sean, uh, Ross Tuck and Jesse O'Brien. I think, I think that's his name. Yeah. So my work, um, I won't go into it too much, but I, I launched a feature, uh, this week and we do a lot of, uh, transactional email, uh, to try and help drive people back to the site. And, uh, I'm quite pleased with the, this feature. It kind of, um, so when somebody, when a, a, pa- a parent updates their profiles describing the kind of childcare that they need, um, we now try and sort of match their needs to a bunch of child minders, babysitters, nannies, whatever it might be and we just send them an email to say they've updated their requirements and we think you might match and um, and it's going quite well so far we've, um, so far it's sent over 20,000 20, emails out um, and we've got about a 50% open rate which is pretty good for transactional email and a 20, 20% click through rate as well which is also pretty good for transactional email uh, so I'm quite pleased about that, it's good um, we send a lot of email um I was a bit worried about how much extra this might put on top, but it's actually been a lot less than I thought. Um, so I might even crank up how many emails are getting sent out for every um, instance of this happening. Uh, it's kind of cool. So,
1: so when you say fifty percent and twenty five percent, this this is probably like an industry standard thing that I haven't picked up on yet. Is that twenty five percent of all of the emails sold are
0: sent, or is it twenty five percent of the fifty percent that actually opened? Twenty five, twenty percent of all. So oh, wow. okay, yeah. So wow. if fifty percent were opened, uh, two two fifths, so forty percent of those are opened were clicked. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and of course, uh, the idea is—I mean—in in its simplest form, it's driving people back to the site. But in this instance, it's actually childcare providers seeing that a parent who meets their services has updated their requirement mm-hmm. and hopefully coming back to the site and interacting with them so that they uh, they can find a, a match. Cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah I'm pleased about it. Uh, that's it, really. I've actually launched a couple of other features, but there was, more, uh, was actually more removing technical debt than features, but it was, it was uh, quite a big task. Uh, it's nice. It feels like a weight lifted off my shoulder sometimes to get rid of some technical debt.
1: Cool. Um, I, I did actually have uh, another family thing that I just remember. Go on. Um, so since uh, Beck's been traveling two hours in each direction to go s- uh, spend time with her family, she's been listening to the podcast more. Oh, okay. good. So she's, she's been really excited about that. So she's actually two or three episodes ahead of me <laughs> on uh, listening to that podcast. So uh, she's been really enjoying it. So it's been, been, been nice feedback to get. So she always has more questions for me to ask you in person. And <laughs> I, I, I do that. I do some of those usually uh, on IRC uh, when she has them, but. Anyway, yeah. that's kind of fun. Is, is your wife listening?
0: She listens. To, she listened to the last one uh, because she got time, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't know if she's. I don't think she's listened to every every minute of every episode, but she tries to listen a little bit here and there.
1: Yeah, but uh, that's pretty funny because she she said the whatever whatever the last one she was listening to. She said, yeah, I was listening, and you know, I I kind of glaze over a little bit on some of the technical stuff. Some it's really interesting to listen to, but I usually don't know what you're actually talking about. Um, yeah. But you know, I was almost ready to to turn one off because there's only like ten minutes left, and then the last ten minutes was about you know family stuff and really fun. So <laughs> she 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 she's kind of like hooked that you know ah I don't know if I really want to listen anymore, but then I might miss something good if I don't. So yeah, uh, so this gets kind of fun. I
0: know I know at least once or twice uh, I've mentioned something to Rebecca that we discussed that might involve her or might involve the kids. Yeah, and then a couple of minutes later, I can see her. She's on her phone. <laughs> looks like she's downloading the episode to make sure she's got it ready to listen to or something. So Nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. That's definitely Beck's favorite part is like the family stuff. But she likes she likes listening about the other things, too, because, you know, we, we talk a lot about things. And um, sometimes I'll just like, like it's just really high level stuff like, oh, I worked on this project or this project or whatever. And then, like, we don't go into too much detail because, you know, as parents, it's pretty hard to really get into too much detail. On anything, because every five minutes or every thirty seconds or every five seconds, sometimes, uh, you know, you have a, a little one interrupting you, and they're whatever they have to ask or say is really, really important.
0: Definitely. <laughs> so
1: we, we we have. I can't say how many times we've had thirty-second conversations that have taken a full fifteen-minute drive <laughs> before we're able to finish talking what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so it is kind of nice for her because if she's on the the, the ride, Luke can keep. Keep busy with herself and then she can focus on listening to something, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've been, um, I went on one walk this week, which, you know, health wise, uh, it's probably not very good, but it's better than no walks. Um, And actually, no, I went on two. I went on two very long walks and I listened to one and a half episodes of Texing. Uh, So that was the first time I've really been able to do any podcasting lately. So that was
0: pretty nice. Um, Yeah, that is good. Yeah, so I'm getting caught up with them. The, with the kids being uh, poorly this week, I've not been out with the dog as much. Well, I've been out with him, but I've been doing shorter walks. Mm-hmm. And when I'm going on a shorter walk, I, I usually don't bother going to find my headphones and things like that. So uh, I've not done yeah. listening. listening. Uh, exercise, though, I got out and played golf again uh, last weekend, which is really nice. Uh, I really, in the summer, I really got into it. I was playing nearly every week, so at least once a fortnight um mm-hmm. obviously the winter you can't play as much but finding time is a bit more difficult as well because of sunlight the daylight Um in the summer i could get up and be on the course for 6 a.m um mm-hmm. which is amazing or even on an evening as well i could literally i could i could fit nine holes in after the kids had gone to bed mm-hmm. Uh but i i was terrible i was it was really disappointing i really enjoyed playing i really enjoyed being out there on the course but i was my game has regressed so much since the summer when I was playing so regularly. So I think I need to try and fit a few uh, sessions in at the driving range to get my confidence up again. Uh, Cool. going to start that again over the Christmas period, I think. Nice.
1: Yeah. On on the health side of things, I, um, I've actually lost between, I know that you were talking for a little while about changing your healthy, healthy eating habits and whatnot. Um, Since this summer, I think I've lost, fifteen to twenty pounds. Oh, well done. That's brilliant. Yeah, so I've been trying I've been trying pretty hard. Uh it's it's definitely harder during uh holiday seasons and also, um, just in general when it gets cold uh (laughs) when the weather gets bad. It doesn't sound like the weather's very bad over there yet, but the weather's been pretty crummy around here and I don't know, it seems like it's really easy to slip into doing quick things, you know, fast food or just you know frozen food or whatever. And so it's it's been a little harder the last month, but um
0: it's it, the way I, our bodies work as well, you know. We, yeah. We drink a lot more in the summer, don't we? So.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's been good. I'm um, hoping I can keep that trend up, uh, especially next year. And um, So that's been good. So I, we haven't talked about that in a while, but um,
0: yeah, it's I'm been, a, been going okay. I'm off the boil at the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, my weight can change so rapidly. I mean, uh, I think I'm about eight pounds heavier than I was two weeks ago at the minute. Mm-hmm. But that was because I'd put a bit of effort into losing the weight, yeah. And then I just I fall off the wagon, put weight back on, and it's been like that all year for me. But I'll but I'll talk about this in the next show because I had a goal for the year to lose fifteen pounds. Uh, And I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it in the new year when I'm setting goals again. So. Okay.
1: Nice. That was one of the things in the texting is I don't know if they're still talking about it, but back back where I am at in the the list of episodes. they're talking a lot about health stuff still. And, you know, they were really gung-ho for the first two or three episodes they're talking about it. Now it's starting to sound like they're kind of like, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, is it is it Justin, the one who's doing the... Or is it Jason that's doing the... Opera, was doing the Operation...
0: Superhero. Yeah. Yeah. That was Jason doing that. Okay. Uh, Justin okay. is doing things, but Justin wants the sort of uh, the easy way out for everything. He's doing something... Some weird thing where you do five minutes of leg yeah. presses or something a week or something ridiculous yeah. that's not really going to work. Um, yeah,
1: but, yeah. Um, but so, so yeah, the other guy was talking like two episodes before this when I uh, I think one of our last drives to North Dakota he had been talking about yeah I'm just going to eat food just for nourishment so at night I'm just going to have chicken and broccoli and yeah. that's it and he was like was like that, that's all I need and then this this last episode like two episodes later he's like. Ah, I just, I can't just eat chicken and broccoli at night. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like, like, you know, like, oh. Yeah, I just spilled water everywhere. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) it it just reminds me of, um, like, when you, like, binge watch TV shows, where, like, you can see all of this stuff unfold so quickly. Whereas, like, if you're watching it in real time, it's so suspenseful. But it's not quite as suspenseful if you're watching it. So, like, yeah, it's just like, ah, I'm all gung-ho. And then, like, literally, like. An hour later, you could be on the episode where he's like, Yeah, I don't think that's going to work for me. (laughs) It's kind of funny.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, he was quite pleased though because he went, they've been going, uh, they've been getting body composition tests done. Mm -hmm. And um, he'd lost quite a bit of fat, but not put on enough muscle because he's trying to do, you know, burn the candle at both ends, as it were. uh, Because he's trying, his, his ultimate goal is to be able to slam dunk, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, his nutritionist actually said he could up the calories because his body wasn't getting enough to p- to put the muscle on, which yeah. made, you know it makes sense. So uh, burn a little less fat, but put more muscle on. So he was quite happy that he could uh, eat a few more calories, which meant a few more normal meals and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get on that stuff again in the new year. I think uh, there's, n- there's no point in trying to start anything now. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to uh, just bring up um. There's a little new conference started in the UK called PHP South Coast Conference. It's only a small community conference. I think it's three local user groups have got together. And uh, they're uh, putting on a, I think it's just a one-day conference with uh, two tracks. Uh, The call for papers is open. Uh, You should go check it out. I'll put the URL in the show notes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I've am uh, i I've submitted one talk so far. I'm going to submit a few more, but uh, it'd be really nice for me because it's just at the beginning of the summer holidays. So Rebecca's off work for six weeks and it's uh, down on the south coast of England and uh, it's not too far from the New Forest, which is an area that we like. And what I'd probably do is if I got to go to the conference and I probably, well, I may even just go as an attendee anyway, um, we'd probably holiday down there for a week. And uh, it's really nice. I I love the area it's called the new forest because it was created by uh William the first. He created a forest. Uh, it was for Royal deer hunting and it's kind of cool. Um, it's uh, still, it's a large uh, forest, but it has a what call, what called common rights. So if you live in, within the common rights zone, you are allowed to have your animals pasture on the land. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, and it's, just nice. There's horses and cows just roaming around everywhere down the roads and things. It's really nice. Cool.
1: What? And so you've submitted one talk so far?
0: Yes. Um. I was actually, it, because it was a smaller conference, I was, uh, I sort of like, I started looking through my talk proposals that I have ready and wondering if I should concentrate on the more general ones, the ones that, you know appeal to a wider audience because it's not like a larger conference where there's two or three tracks and you know you can afford to have a talk that appeals to a small set of people, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They also have uh, the ability to submit lightning talks on the the, on the cover papers. papers as well. I think, oh, like, 20-minute cool. talks. So I don't know where they're going to fit in the this, this schedule, but I'll actually probably write a few proposals specifically for that because that'd be kind of nice.
1: Cool. Yeah, I noticed that, um, uh, since we're talking about, like, call for papers type things, um, that the one one of the things that I'm going to pay more attention to in the future is the speakers package. Yep. Um, and uh, since it is a new conference, it's, it doesn't cover a lot. Um so that's probably not one that I would, I would be able to submit to. Um,
0: yeah, I think, I think they understand that. I mean, uh, yeah, it was only about 50 pounds, for, uh, travel, which, um, definitely wouldn't get anyone from the States over. Yeah. Um, within Europe is actually, depending on how you wang- wrangle things, you can actually get very cheap flights, um, uh, mm. within Europe. So you probably could cover some European speakers. Um, uh, yeah, I actually said in my submissions that I probably for- I'd forgo any travel and accommodation Mm -hmm. expenses partly because it's a community conference and you know i it's in my own country it's not too far for me to travel uh Mm -hmm. and also because i'd probably like i say i'd probably take a week's holiday down there anyway Mm -hmm. uh, because i like the area so much and uh, pepper pig world is there so (laughs) uh, my daughter would be thrilled (laughs) to Uh go to go back
1: nice oh so you uh you you were mentioning that earlier about the uh the kid shows in the uk hmm. and um when we were there in london we actually got an opportunity to see quite a quite a bit of that um at least two of the places that we stayed had tvs so we were able to see like the cbb's stuff and yep. all sorts of things so we, we, i have a better understanding about what what you're talking about than i might have otherwise right yeah. I, um because yeah we, we we spent a lot of time you know not, not a lot of time watching tv but you know night times or whatever just before bed and yeah. Um, or early in the morning, whatever. So, um,
0: well, We I didn't we, get to see Peppa Pig. Our kids though.
1: watch quite a lot of TV. Oh, sorry, gone. We didn't get to see Peppa Pig. I don't think we saw. It. Oh.
0: Is that on TV or is that on, like, something else? So it's on, uh, Nickelodeon. Okay. Nick Jr., I think, over here. I don't, mm. you, do you have Nickelodeon? Oh, We'll do, a, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, we do. Probably We, different. we have Nickelodeon.
0: Yeah. It's and that's probably where different we've shows
1: yeah, we've seen Peppa yeah. Pig on Nickelodeon. I just didn't know if it was on anything.
0: Oh right, yeah, it's okay. also on uh, Channel Five, I think, of all the. Uh, okay. So CBeebies would be BBC, uh, BBC One, BBC Two, uh, mm-hmm. and its own Channel CBeebies. Yeah. Cool. Our our kids probably watch a little bit too much television. Uh, <laughs> or I sh- or should I say they want to watch too much television. Uh, we yeah. kind of try and limit it. And uh, this week though, because they've been poorly, it's kind of been. We don't really want them running around the house being silly. We want them to sit on the sofa and be, yeah, and you know, rest. Relaxed. So they've been watching you know movies and all sorts. Um, yeah. they're, they're mad on like a few t- film trailers at the minute. I mean, I actually showed you a video of Rowan watching the Star Wars trailer. He absolutely loves it. Yeah. Um, and there's a few other movies that they like watching, like the 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 Minions film, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever that's going to be called, and the same with the Penguins from Madagascar. They like that one. Yeah. So, Rowan with the Star Wars trailer, so proud of him. It's just a bit, uh, he, when the Millennium Falcon comes on, he, he gets so excited. It's really <laughs> nice. And he sings the theme tune as well. It's really That's cool. awesome. It doesn't do too yeah, bad. the last uh, that was 20 cool, that little video you had.
1: We yeah. should, we should post that video on the, on the site.
0: Yeah, you know, I did. Um, I put it on Facebook because I didn't know how easy it was. Um, and I was going to put it on Twitter, but then I thought, oh, I'll have to go to YouTube and upload it there. but Twitter probably has its own video uploading thing right now, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they do, actually. I know they have Vine. I think they yeah. bought
1: Vine. I'll have so to check it like, out. Man.
0: But yeah. I'll, I'll see, it shouldn't be too much effort for me to put it on YouTube. I mean, I have a an account there as a Googler, I suppose. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, something I wanted to talk about was... Um, it's actually something to do with... Uh, it's specific to Silex, but uh, the, the theory applies to just about any open source project. But there was a PR opened to add PHP unit, PHP unit to the uh, dev requirements. Mm-hmm. And this uh, brought a few opinions out, as uh, as usual. Now, I, one of, before I go and talk about the, my actual opinion, I thought, personally, I thought there was a few too many strong opinions. No, not strong opinions. um Aggressively, our passive-aggressively pushed opinions. You know, there's so much you should or you shouldn't it's best to, Mm -hmm. you're doing it wrong. I I got a bit fed up of it, if I'm honest. I always try and express my uh, feelings and opinions as preferences. You know, I prefer to do it this way, Mm -hmm. or normally I do it this way, or I tend to do it this way. And I think it's, you're still putting the same point across, but it doesn't sound like you're telling the other person they are doing it wrong. Because I personally don't like being told that very often. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and... It's kind of a there's a meme about it isn't it but it's still not very nice to be told so mhm but yeah I mean what, how do you feel about PHP unit PHP unit as a dev dependency
1: So as with most things it has changed over time for me okay um I would say initially I was against it <clears throat> like I I didn't see the point because I had PHP unit installed and um had gone through great effort to get php unit installed globally <laughs> in most of my environments it's it was no small task at at a certain point in time <clears throat> so i didn't really see why you would do that um but that gradually changed after i saw it in action a few times um and i think the biggest reason that that i'd been given for doing it uh, or the biggest uh, potential reason for deciding to do it was. Um, the fact that PHP unit has versions and that, um, some of the versions aren't compatible with other versions. So, uh, if you want to make sure that your project is, is being tested in the environment that, that the other developers are testing it in, it makes sense to distribute PHP unit with the application as a de- dev dependency so that everyone is using the same version of PHP unit so that you don't have people having bugs. Or false positives or whatever or false negatives um due to you know different versions of PHP. yeah so that's that's the direction I've headed lately is pick a version of PHP unit include it as a dev dependency and be done with it
0: yeah I think that's uh, one of the bigger reasons for so the reasons against that uh, people voiced um some people said they didn't like having multiple copies installed like you mentioned um personally I can't sympathize with that. I just don't care. Um, Most of the time, Composer's cache takes care of downloading it for me, so I don't have to download and wait for it that often. I don't actually, you know, Composer install that often either uh, in terms of, you know, grabbing projects from GitHub, and I don't do it that often that it bothers me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't sympathize with that one too much. Uh, The other reason against people said was on Travis, so, you know, downloading uh, PHP unit and it's 10 to 15 dependent packages itself, for every build on, you know, for every commit usually on Travis was costing both time to wait for the build to finish and resources on Travis's end, you know, CPU, net bandwidth, everything, and this. Uh, And I could sympathize with that one a little bit um, just because... um, I don't think the environmental effect is that much, although when you add it all up for every single pocket, package, every single build, downloading, you know, PHP unit, it's going to have some carbon footprint, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But also, just because it will be costing Travis money at the end of the day, and Travis gives us things for free. And the less work or the less cost it is to them, the more things they'll give us for free. I see it the way I see it. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's if the travis have got 300 workers running for the open source project and 50 of those happen to be downloading php unit for their builds constantly if we if we stop doing that then it would free up more workers for more travis runs uh, which means people wouldn't have to wait i don't i don't see why you have to wait anyway but but you see what i mean
1: yeah i i can see that but there are technical things that can be done there as well i mean uh, look at Tor proxy, for example. Well, you know, if you put Tor proxy in in the mix, now you don't have to. Like Travis can cache locally each version of PHP unit, and now there's no bandwidth there, and it yeah. installs almost. Well,
0: funnily enough, I mean, this was what one of the things I mentioned in the in the PR. I said um, there is a there was a ticket open on Travis for this kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I mentioned it in the PR that it was something Travis might do one day because it's not really our problem; it's just mm-hmm. our ethically our problem. And right. the other day they announced it. Um, Travis announced that they'd, uh, overhauled the infrastructure to use Docker, mm. uh, to make, it was a lot, uh, it was faster to spin up the uh, work, build workers and faster to run them. And also they announced that open source projects could now make use of caching. Mm. Um, so with, it's a little bit nicer for Ruby projects because you can, there's literally, uh, one key in the Travis YAML file, you can put cache. Bundler and it'll cache bundler for you between mm-hmm. runs. But also, you can just actually do it on a directory basis. So, this the same PR now has been updated in Silex, and that this Silex PR has been updated to cache the composer's cache directory between builds. Mm-hmm. And what Travis are doing is essentially at the end of the build, they tarball up that directory send it to S3, and then they pull it down and untarball it mm. after every run. So, yeah, so that's kind of negated as well. So I'm quite yeah. pleased about that. Okay, cool. So on the same topic, there was uh, another PR that um, added PHP code sniffer to the dev dependencies and ran that on Travis. Mm. And on Silex, it found something like 1,200 violations in the uh, <laughs> test directory. <laughs> um I was a big minus one on that PR I don't think I, I, PHP Code Sniffer is too strict for me anyway. Um, I, as I've mentioned before on the show, I follow PSR2, but only by chance, uh, because most of the way I program is uh, compatible with PSR2. I do use mm-hmm. PS, PHP CS Fixer, but that isn't as strict as PHP Code Sniffer, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I personally really don't feel like running PHP Code Sniffer on the test directory and failing the build on a failure. I just don't have time for that personally. Yeah.
1: No, I. I it, it, so, so would you accept the, a PR like that if it excluded the test directory?
0: Probably not, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> yeah. see. I mean, Fabbot is already running that stuff as yeah. well. Oh, sorry, it's running PHP CS Fixer, which mm-hmm. is a less strict tool for me that does enough of a good job. And any like massive violations get picked up and commented on anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just don't see the point myself. Yeah.
1: I've been, uh, so I've been using, uh, Scrutinizer. And I think you've, you've mentioned before, I don't know if it was online or on the podcast, um, that you're not a big fan of the static analysis stuff. Um, is that, is that a fair statement?
0: Um, it's not that I'm not a big fan of it. I just don't use it that much. Okay. I can see. Um, I can see where it would be useful. Okay. Um. So
1: i the the danger is that I've or the danger that I found is that it get really easy to get caught up at the details of trying to figure out well how do I make this check not pass or not, make this check not fail. Well, yeah, I've, then, I've
0: seen people tweet literally tweeting things. I've submitted yeah. there's. Class and it only got a B. Yeah. Any suggestions for making it an A? And I'm like, well, you've just written it and. Yeah. You should have designed it yeah, to. Yeah. So, uh, to, you know, and if. if, if I don't know. <laughs> That's just not for me. Yeah. So, um, the nice thing about scrutinizers,
1: you can turn off some of the checks, um, but some of them have actually been really interesting that they're they're. It's bringing up things that I really hadn't considered. And even after looking at it, I had to look at it for a long time to figure out that, yeah, that is, I can see how that would be a problem. And then trying to find a way to fix it. Um, So I I can see that. But if I were to, I I know I did this initially. The first project I put on Scrutinizer was Sculpin. And Sculpin is kind of a mess anyway. um, Because it's only been me. It was, uh, you know, I was, I don't have any testing because it was like two, three years ago when I was just starting it out. I didn't really expect it to keep going on i didn't I didn't know where it was going so I didn't really test as I went it was all experimental and trying little things here and there and then I'd forget about it and move on to some some other feature um so it was a mess so if I were to to put something like scrutinizer on a an existing project it would just be overwhelming and I know that most of these tools have the ability to sort of say don't worry about the legacy stuff um but on a new project it's Surprisingly addicting to go in and try to make everything yeah, I can perfect, see, see that um and respond to every little every little detail um
0: yeah, I mean I almost want to say for a legacy project i am interested in things like dead code detection mm-hmm. and things like type inference uh, issues uh, all that kind of things. I just don't mm-hmm. need that quality thing like with the legacy, you know the quality is quite quite terrible don't yeah. you? you know you mm-hmm. don't need to I don't want to grade f thanks I just want to know where. Things are going to blow up, you know yeah. that kind of static analysis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't think they're useless or anything like that. I just uh, don't really use it that much.
1: Yeah. Um, speaking of this stuff, I think this would be a good time to bring up uh, Code Climate. Um, yeah. the the person that um, because it's it's a similar similar sort of tool um to Scrutinizer, um, fulfill some of these same same roles. Uh, hmm. the the person that I'm doing uh, mentoring with uh, is Beth Tucker, Beth Tucker Long, she uh, works for Code Climate now. Uh, she's I, I can't remember how long she's been there. I think she's uh, one of the uh, the evangelists for. Um, All right. Yep. The, yep. Um, but yeah, I, I was talking to her uh, the other day and asked if uh, she, uh, they, they've been expanding their PHP offering, um, and I, so I know that she's been pushing that. So I asked if she had anything that uh, she would like to sort of throw out to our listeners and she said that she can give us uh uh, listeners uh, can get a 60 day free trial for private repositories Um, as i understand it the open source repositories are free Um, most of these types of tools will host open source projects for free Uh, but if you want to try it out on your paid project you can get a 60 days free trial uh, by using the uh, redeem code that podcast rocks with a capital t capital p and capital r um, if you go to codeclimate.com slash redeem uh, and enter that podcast rocks. Uh, she says they'll also send uh, stickers and or shirts if anyone wants one. So uh, you can email them. Um, let see here. Uh, go to the help, uh, the help link in the footer uh, so you get to support. And then you can email them your T-shirt size and a mailing address and they'll ship one to you. So oh, if you want a awesome. Code Climate T-shirt, uh, Luke actually has a Code Climate T-shirt. We got a uh, 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 Liam, her her son is Liam, um, had a, a kid sized t shirt. So she got some kid sized t shirts for Luke, too. So they're, they're pretty cool t shirts. I like them a lot. And it's not just because we're we're talking about them now, they are pretty cool t shirts.
0: Oh, very nice. Thank you, God yeah. Clement. And thank you, Beth. Yeah. So um, more little updates from me. Um, I've been buying ebooks this week, which is something I don't oh, yeah. usually do. And I specifically, when I say ebooks, I mean like worky, Bootstrapping, uh, programming types of things. I buy books on my Kindle all the time, but they're fiction. They're called. Mm-hmm. They're just books to me. Kindle books, I guess. Um, the first one I bought was one a new testing book. Um, it's called Working Effectively with Unit Tests by J Field. And I saw it announced the other day. I read the first two chapters on Leanpub because they were the free the sample. And I really, really enjoyed it. I, I think I tweeted something along the lines of, this is the book I wish I had written, <laughs> uh, despite only reading the first two ta- two chapters. um, It's really good. It's definitely it's for people who are already testing. And I think as a community, I think we've sort of reached a, a decent le- a level of adoption with regards to testing. But there's so many people could actually improve the game a bit. And, uh, this is the book for that, or I think so anyway. I've only read the first two chapters. Uh, it's on Lean Pub. Um, I'll put the URL in the show notes, but, uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, I think, I think it'd be a really good read. Cool. Uh, he's, uh, immensely experienced. He's worked at ThoughtWorks for some time, or he, or he did work at ThoughtWorks for some time. And obviously they're quite big on just about everything in software engineering practice. And then also I've been on, um, Giftofbusiness.com. So Nathan Barry, Brennan Dunn, Amy Hoy, and Amy Hoy's business partner, Alex. I can't remember his second name. I sort of banded together and put um, some of their products into a, a, a gift bundle for the holidays. So I, I, I bought it for myself though, um, but I paid uh, $49 for the three books and a couple of other little things. I, I can't remember what they were. So I got Authority by Nathan Barry, which is all about As far as I know, building an audience uh, and becoming an authority in your chosen subject or trying to become an authority. I got Double Your Freelance Rate by Brennan Dunn, which is about doubling your freelance rate. Uh, You have that book, I'm right? Yep, yep, I have that book. And also the last one was Just effing Ship, Oh, is it Ship It? Yeah, by Amy Hoy, which is quite a new book. I think you've got that one as well. Yeah, I bought that one. Yeah, so looking forward to a little bit of holiday reading. And maybe putting it into practice. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I haven't actually read, uh, that most recent one, but I do, I do have doubling your freelancing rate. I can't remember what the other one was. Uh, uh he actually had two books. I think it was the blueprint was the yes, other. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I bought both of those last year and have been trying to put some of that into practice. And I'm happy to say that my freelancing rate has more than doubled since last year. Uh, when I first started out, um, some of my first few projects were, were definitely pretty, I wasn't super happy with the rate that I was getting, uh, but, you know, I really wanted to sort of get the ball rolling and get stuff going. So I think it has helped to sort of uh, keep things going in the right direction. So um, yeah, good. I don't know that I find these, I find these stories to be very uh, inspiring, um, but I, I think it was. What one of the what either it was either the bootstrapped with kids podcast or, or the texting podcast where someone was saying that don't be the person that just buys the books and gets excited. be the person who actually does something about it. Um, mm. And I sort of feel that way a little bit reading these things. Uh, as you know, I've been trying to do some some marketing things to try to figure out Facebook ads and figure out Twitter ads and see how how, how easy it is. To actually try to build an audience using ads, which most of these places talk about trying to build your audience by, build by doing ads. Like even if you're going to build a landing page, the way that they'll talk about getting people to the landing page is to run a Facebook ad targeted at, at your demographic. Um, and it's been really difficult. It's not nearly as easy as they make it sound. You know, you don't throw a hundred dollars at Facebook ads and get you know thirty quality likes or thirty quality subscriptions to your newsletter. Absolutely. <laughs> That is not at all the experience that I've had. Um, in fact, I've I've been experimenting with that podcast ads on Facebook and trying to get more listeners, you know, trying to reach people who are into PHP, into programming, into Symphony or whatever. Um, I've been I felt like I've been pretty targeted at the demographics. And I think I think we ended up getting 30 some likes over the course of like two weeks with my various experimentations. Um, and I got so frustrated by the the people that I was seeing actually like us that I went through and deleted all of them. And when I was done deleting all of the people who didn't fit the criteria that looked like they were clearly just a click farm, there was literally nobody that I did not personally know that w- was not already liking us. Hmm. So in the course of all of my experimentation over two or three weeks, nothing, Absolutely not a single nothing. like.
0: Yeah. Well, and I mean, so so these books are really
1: exciting and they have a. A lot of good stuff in them, but you know, actually acting
0: on them, it's not always as easy as it as it looks. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, I would never, I wouldn't go as far to call them snake oil, mm-hmm. but the way I see it is, if you if you're really that good at doing these things, chances are you won't bother writing about it mm-hmm. to tell other people how to do these things. Not because you wouldn't want to share, but because you're too busy doing that other thing. <laughs> Yeah. now these people have been very successful we know that and through but part of that their success is part of the reason why their books are also successful as well because people see you know they release the numbers about how well their products are doing and things mm-hmm. and then people see how well they're doing and think well if only i could do that maybe if i buy their book yeah their next product i will be able to so
1: yeah and and to a certain extent what they're selling you is like, you're falling for it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Falling for it. If you will. I mean, they're, they, they tell you exactly to do what they're doing. They got you to give them money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they are clearly very good at it. And what, what they're doing is they're really good at it. Um, so if you can get to that level and, and do exactly what they're doing, other people will give you money. And, um, so yeah, it's, I know that it, it. I know that it works, and I know that people are successful at it, and I know that it's not an overnight thing that you can just decide to do. Um, even though, like that, that last book was like, "Yeah, we did this in 24 hours." You can too. Just ship it, and it's like, yeah,
0: yeah. But she's. I mean, even if you followed the process, because she, she blogged as she was doing it, and she was she was using material that she'd had written down for months and years. You know, yeah, things that she just. Written, maybe not published anywhere, or you pull yeah. you know, you're pulling blog posts together and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You can't just start on the Greenfield thing yeah. and chip it in twenty four hours, can you? No. <laughs> so but yeah,
1: it's it is it is all exciting and there's a lot of good information in there and it's definitely good for uh building confidence and be like, you know what, I could do that.
0: Uh, yeah, I definitely.
1: Mean, you know, even the discussion we had last week with our last episode with um about Luke. You know, his his story was very inspiring to me and being able to see that and reminding me, yeah, I, sh- I can do that. It's going to be hard work, but I can actually go and build something or work on something, you know, until two in the morning every night and, and i will eventually get somewhere. Um, I mean, that's pretty inspiring. And I think actually part of his talk was don't listen to the people who say you can just do it overnight um, or that it's going to be easy. I think a big part of his deal was that the big part of his talk was what they don't tell you about building your own business <laughs> yeah. um, because, you know, it was a lot of work for him. So, um, but yeah, they, 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 the, there's a lot of great ideas in those books. Um, I, I try to follow them quite a bit and most of the stuff that I'm doing. Um, actually, one of the things that I, another thing that I was doing this last week was trying to get testimonials from my clients for 2014 oh. um, because the social, uh, the social proof stuff is what's missing from my website right now. and. If I really want to sell myself, and if, especially if I want to sell some of my more interesting products like the Exploration Day things, um, it's, it would be really helpful to have some people on there saying, hey, you know what, this really helped me or this really worked. So, um, And my clients so far have been really, really great. Um, I've gotten back, I think, four or five responses already and a lot of really great stuff in there. So uh, I want to thank all of, all of those people. Uh, I, I know at least one or two of them actively listen to, uh, the podcast. So, uh, you know who you are. Thank you very much for, uh, helping me out on that because it's going to, uh, definitely, uh, be, uh,
0: help me in, in the future. And yeah, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so of those books I just mentioned, I'm going to be definitely going to be reading the testing one first because mm-hmm. it's, uh, if I was going to try and build up any kind of authority, It'd be around the testing thing, I think. It's one of the things I'm most confident with. Obviously, I'm tied to mockery, uh, with the maintenance of that. Um, uh, but I can't really, it takes a lot of effort to build up a, that kind of, uh, audience and authority on something that's quite saturated yeah. anyway. But, um, yeah, I'm, d- I want to, so those three businessy type books are a little bit sort of airy fairy pipe dream, whereas I feel like the effective, uh, test book really can affect what i'm doing right now i mean i i don't think i've learned anything new from the first two chapters but the way it's written the way things are explained i almost feel like well that's how i'd like to have explained it and it's made things clearer in my mind Mm -hmm. you know you know when you get a good feeling of how you're doing something and why it's better uh, but you're not really sure why it's better should i say Mm -hmm. and then someone goes and explains it to you and you think oh yeah so i'm you know i'm cleverer than i think but i didn't know i was if yeah. you See what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, did you have more books to talk about? No, that's it. Uh, okay. Just those four. Okay. Um.
1: Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about PHP Roundtable.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, go a- for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was on a episode of PHP Roundtable. Uh, it's a project that uh, Sammy, uh, his Twitter handle is sam Sammy K. Uh, he started that earlier this year, and uh, I kind of like jumped on that pretty early on and said hey what's this about um and so he said hey you want to be you want to join us sometime and i said sure and it almost happened like two other times but every other time it's either fallen through or they had uh, decided to do a different topic with different people so uh, but this one was on open source and Git flow um and it had uh ben ramsey chris wallsmith uh, emma jane and sammy Kay and myself and uh, we talked about uh git and the one of the big things that uh he talks about early on is that we're supposed to not talk about, or we're not supposed to talk as if uh, anyone knows anything about what we're talking about. So it was kind of fun to sit there and talk about something like Git from the perspective of someone who doesn't know anything at all about Git. Um, the The format, I don't know, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I kind of liked the format a lot. Uh, it's like he would go through the Git commands and just like say, oh, how about you talk about this? Or how about you talk about rebase? Uh, so it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought we had a pretty good discussion going on on twitter about it so that was pretty neat um and earlier in the conversation we were talking about open source in general and i think think it was ben who started talking about sort of what he saw as the history of open source um going back to like the early 90s and when open source became a thing and i I honestly didn't know that open source was that young Um, i thought that the the whole concept of open source clearly goes back further if you say how long were these licenses around and whatnot, but the actual term open source apparently is pretty new. Um, and the, one of the people that I mentioned earlier, uh, Christian, um, in that podcast channel, uh, there were a couple of people listening live uh, and discussing things in, in the that podcast as a back channel. And he mentioned a movie called Revolutions OS um, as a good history. It's, it looks like it's a movie that has some pretty good history about where open source came from. Have you seen that?
0: No, but I uh I earmarked it when I saw it come up in the channel yeah. Yeah, I'll so at some um, point.
1: I'll link the uh IMDb link for that cuz I think that's something that would be fun to watch at some point. So Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so it was pretty fun being involved in that. Um and and we got some good discussion going on around that. Um, I actually
0: uh, I have the book um The Cathedral in the Bazaar. Oh yeah. i mm-hmm. I've I've not read it, but I think that's I sort of bought it Ready to read and not go around to it, but I think that's uh, got some history of that kind of thing in there. I don't know. Yeah. I might be wrong. Have you read it? Yeah,
1: I, I've heard. I've heard the title, and I think I've read parts of it online. Right. Um, like people will like quote parts of it, uh, but I, like even that, I thought that book was really old. <laughs>
0: it might be. Um, I don't know. I, I was yeah. looking to see if it's within reach, but I can't see it.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that's the kind of thing where like I know that these things have been around for so long that I just assumed they were around I was actually going to mention the cathedral and the bazaar in the episode but I didn't know enough about it to know like when it had been published
0: or anything Yeah no I can't see it. Okay I have a copy somewhere but I don't know where it is I have stacks yeah. of books around my desk yeah. cool
1: So yeah uh, that, that actually is uh, they did that live on Google Hangout it's on air so that'll be uh, there's a recording up for that so I'll share the the link to that recording Uh, In the show notes, if anyone wants to take a look, if you haven't, if you don't know much about Git or just want to have a general idea, um, we talked about Git flow, which uh, was the NVIE uh, uh, branching model scheme. Um, And actually, before the episode, uh, I brought that up with everyone because we're like, we're going to get ready. We're going to talk about this. And I was like, so uh, Git flow, is it? Are we talking about like the Git flow? Like, is it just in general what a Git workflow would look like or specifically the NVIE thing? Um, and and I guess it was supposed to be the NVIE thing, so that's what we ended up talking about a little bit toward the end Um, do you use that for any of your projects?
0: I don't use it, no Um, but when I saw that in the title that's what I assumed you would be talking about Yeah. I have used it in uh, in other workplaces Hmm. but we do basically we just have feature branches and they get merged into master, that's what I do here I,
1: I would say by and large people generally use a much simpler model than that um, so I was I, w- I was a little surprised that that was actually what we were gonna end up talking about uh, because it seemed like a very specific uh, like niche thing that I wasn't sure how, um, what's the word? how how applicable it would be to like newbie Git users or newbie people um, but I was it was still a pretty good conversation and I, I thought that we had a we, we thought we did a pretty good job discussing it so
0: yeah I mean it's hard isn't it i mean if you just look at the the the, the master and the develop branches as a you can look as develop as a continuous integration branch can't you mm-hmm. and that's not so complicated but obviously they you know the full V git flow model has uh, version branches as well as master and develop and things mm-hmm. like that and pe- there's not a lot of people building that kind of software anymore or i don't think there is you know uh, right you have to de- to support version two right version one, I mean, there is an open source, but even so people don't really follow the model like that stringly do they
1: yeah, I guess that's what I meant like as far as like people who would listen to that podcast, I don't imagine would necessarily be- no. see that very much in the in the open. I've only seen it maybe once or twice, anything that even comes close to it um so but i but I can see it from the perspective of if you were going to look up how do I do get branches and things like that, that almost always shows up on Google searches. Like people are always referencing it, even though not a lot of people end up using it in practice. Um, I think it's probably way more popular in like, like big, big projects, uh, closed source things Yeah, where, you know, you have to manage those sorts of things. I think we use something pretty similar to that when I was working at Cisco or when I was doing a consulting for Cisco, most of the projects there. Had really long release cycles, like six month things, where like you'd do a do uh, minor release every six months and a new major release every couple of yeah, years definitely. or so. <clears throat> so that that was def- that was very important. We were managing that with Subversion, and that was just a nightmare trying can, to do all of that.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. It's um, so the other thing that happened um, was uh, Eric Barnes dropped into the Sculpen channel um, just a day or two after I saw that he'd released the minimal Genesis theme. Did you see that for WordPress? Um, Right. Yeah. 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 And he said, Hey, uh, where's some doc, um, has has anyone making themes for sculpt? And I, I, uh, am running into some questions or something like that. So, um, I spent some time talking with him about that because I wanted to get some feedback from someone who actually spends a lot of time writing themes, um, and kind of see, you know, you and I have talked about a little bit that Sculpin's theme support is there, but I have a bunch of open questions that I'm not sure how to, to make a decision on uh, mostly because I'm not a theme designer. So um, I, he was nice enough to uh, spend a good amount of time actually talking to me about it um, and kind of like his thoughts on what would make things better or what things are just confusing. Um, and and I think that I I had to try to impress upon him that, um, sculpin themes are not documented because it's not done. it's was a work in progress. I think you uh you've actually made a theme um hmm. on your site. Uh, I know that there was at least one other person that made a theme, and I know that the p h p league when it was still doing sculpin used a theme but other than that, no themes were not like th- those were like proof of concepts trying to see if the what I had started would even kind of work, but in the process exposed all sorts of questions that I had like you know things like index HTML needs to be customized but that can't be distributed as a theme so I don't know there, there were just a lot of little things here and there that that were going to be some issues so he he helped me uh, walk through some of that so I'm hoping that maybe in the early early 2015 I'll be able to start focusing on that again getting at least you know a couple hours a week spent on Sculpin so that I can get that going because I think having a good a good skeleton and a couple of really good themes that people can use out of the box would probably help scope in quite a bit because that seems to be what a lot of people want is something that looks nice uh that they could tweak if they really really have to but if they had something that could just work out of the box and look pretty i think they'd be more happy with it
0: yeah i think so too so eric runs uh, laravel news doesn't he and mm-hmm. um, one of the things i really like about that site is they have a sort of a column called the artisan files Um, -hmm. think what you will of the artisan. Think, but uh, basically they interview people from the community. Um, and it's just a little bit of like, how do you get into programming? You know, what tools do you use? What's your usual day look like? And it's really nice just to read those. Um, when you need something for either the symphony side of things or just the PHP community in general, because I always find those interesting to read. Do you know what I mean? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't checked those out. I'll have to look into that. I think uh, the latest one was uh the PHP Bard although I'm uh, not, Nice. I'm not sure if it was called one of the if it was was the Artisan Files but it might have just been I think it was called 5 minutes with the PHP Bard or something. <laughs> cool. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Um and then last night um I was at the uh, Madison PHP 10 year anniversary. Very um, nice. It's been it's been around in some form or another for 10 years so um it was a it was a family event so uh Beck and Luke got to come with. Um and uh Beth's husband and son, Liam, were there. Uh, Liam is like two years older than Luke or just under two years older than Luke. So uh, we had uh, we it at a bowling alley. Uh, this bowling alley had a, like a catering sort of room. Uh, they called the cave. So um, we had some food there and we got to talk with some people. And then uh, we had three lanes open to us that we could use. So Luke and Liam That's were cool. in one lane and uh, four of the adults were in the other lane for a little bit. I think people stayed there much later than we were there, but, uh, we, we had to get home pretty quickly. So, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to see some, some Madison PHP people last night. Yeah, cool. So uh, this uh, week, go on, go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I was just going to say this weekend is our Christmas uh, party at work. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I, um, I decided, uh, maybe the beginning of the week that I wanted to get a new suit, um. So I've been to into the town this morning to pick up a new suit. Only one off the peg, but to be honest, it looked quite good when I tried it on. So I'll be all right. But uh, yeah, so we're only a small company. Um, There's only four members of staff, or maybe five, I think. uh, But um, so what the boss does, um, he all puts us up in a fancy hotel in London. Um, We're going staying at Claridges, which is a super nice hotel, and takes us out for a meal uh, to a super nice restaurant. Uh, we're going to uh, one called Maze this year. Uh, it's a Gordon Ramsay restaurant, and um, usually we go on what's called the chef's table. But this one, they don't. This one's not going to be sort of in the kitchen. It's going to have a a big window so you can see down into the kitchen or something. It's like a private room. Um, nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, the last couple of times I've done it, I've really enjoyed it. And um, so the first the first year, I cooked one of the dishes for the group, which is kind of nice They take you into the kitchen. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're told how to do it and I cooked to the scallops for everybody. <laughs> um, cool. and it's amazing how hot it is in a professional kitchen and how hot everything is to touch. And I burnt my hands so much, mm. uh, trying to flip the scallops over and things. Uh, <laughs> and last year in the kitchen, we all went into the kitchen, uh, for one dish and we all had to sort of arrange our own dish with the fancy presentation and everything. It was really good mm-hmm. fun. So I'm nice. looking forward to it. Um, cool. so that's kind of cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's, it's actually gonna be nice.
1: So I I have a bunch of things to just run through if we have time.
0: Yeah, just shoot. I'm a, I'm pretty. Much, I've covered all my notes, so uh, shoot, go. Yeah, so I I hopefully they'll just be quick. There's about ten of them. <laughs> go. Um. So um.
1: Von Vernon uh, uh wrote an article on the ideal domain-driven design aggregate store. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, that was a good article. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was on uh, Postgres's, uh new support for JSON, right? Is
0: yeah, that... that got released yesterday, I think, as well. Yep.
1: Uh, so we'll, I'll go ahead and uh, include that in the show links if anyone wants to check
0: that out. A TLDR? Uh, yeah, go on. What's that? I was going to say, give us a TLDR. Oh, t-
1: uh, uh, never use... Uh, there's no reason to use Mongo anymore because uh, you can use Postgres to do all your JSON <laughs> Yep, is the gist of it so and basically um, uh, it's a and JSON it data like store
0: with a transaction management yeah
1: yep yep so there's a, yeah so that looks like it could be pretty interesting um, that might be enough to get me away from my Postgres phobia um, every time I use Postgres it takes me probably an hour to figure out how to create a database so um, you know I'm so that, used to my SQL makes it really easy yeah that part's Postgres. definitely
0: more difficult with Postgres isn't it yeah uh um, so,
1: so yeah, so that was one of the things I wanted to mention. Um also uh Matthew Nepoli uh released Couscous, uh couscous.io. Um actually I I've actually I talked to him a little bit at one point uh when he first started talking about this um to see whether or not it was something that you could do with Sculpen. And uh it's very it looks like it's it's a it can be used as a general purpose static site generator. It looks like there's a couple of like landing page sites that can be generated with it pretty easily. But I think it's highly focused toward making um, uh, document sites. So uh, if you're interested in looking in, in, into that, it's couscous.io. Uh, looks like a pretty cool little application. So yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Melody. Uh, oh, Melody. S- S- yeah, S- yeah, of course. Yes, yeah, Sensio Labs released Melody um, back in 2013 at uh, Symphony Live, Portland. Uh, I remember uh, Fabian was going through his. Um, you know, how small can we make a pull request sort of thing and was showing how you could like reference doc blocks within your code to do certain things. And like, he teased at the very end of it that what if you could um, actually run composer from inside a file so that all you had to do was give one file and it would install itself for you basically and run itself and everything would be self-contained within one file. And I think I poked him after that and said, what are you talking about? Are you, can you finish this? Um and I I feel like Melody is maybe what he was talking about, or like what a uh, representation of what he was eventually going to to get at. Um so if you don't uh Melody is a way to distribute basically a whole application at one file. Uh there's a, a a section of the code that you can use that will uh basically define your dependencies that your your one file script needs to build. Um and then you run Melody uh and then you can like paste the gist URL. And it installs everything and runs it for you. uh, caches it and everything. So it's a very, very, very cool application. Um I, I used it for one thing. I think you created a Docker for it, correct? I docker did, yeah.
0: Image. I created a Docker con- or Docker Our image docker for container. it. Um, you can download that. It's in the Docker Hub. So you can do docker run minus I minus T data development forward slash melody and the name of a gist. And it will download the kind of the image fire up a container, download the gist, and run it. Yeah.
1: It's very, very cool. In a so container. I, I'm not sure exactly where I will use it. Yeah, in a container. Um, I'm not sure where I I will use this, but it's a great tool to have. Um, I already used it one time to sort of show a problem that I had uh, with uh, array keys being objects that implement two-string. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, I, I just created a little gist and I put it up and had, did Melody run and it installed everything just fine. So, yeah, it was that's awesome.
0: Neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to see bug reports coming in, in as Melody files, I think, especially, particularly for something like Silex. So, mm-hmm. with Silex, we support multiple versions of, of Symphony. And sometimes, you know, a bug can happen with specific versions. So, to give you to give us a Silex, a melody file that installs Silex with the specific symphony versions that are causing a particular bug would be pretty awesome, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of lot of cool things that, that we'll be able to do with that. And I think that was what Fabian was actually saying to begin with was or in in the talk that he was giving that, you know, pull requests are not pull requests, but issues of this doesn't work are so hard even in symphony itself because of you know all the different combinations of dependencies and yeah. trying to come up with the minimal version of the code that actually shows the problem
0: that you're having yeah well um, the am recommended practices to fork the standard edition isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Write code to uh to replicate yeah. your bug uh, which is obviously creating a whole new repository for the mm-hmm. purpose rather than one file yeah
1: yep um one of the, uh, I, I think I mentioned this at one point, but uh, Tim Little gave a talk at uh, PHP Tech 2014 uh, called Adventures in Contract Development, um, and I saw the slides afterwards and was totally bummed that I missed the talk. Um, so uh, I was surprised because uh, PHP Architect just released some of the talks from PHP Tech. Uh, I guess only one or two of the rooms had video recording, and so they just released Tim's talk. So I got to actually see the talk. Um, and it was pretty cool to hear it. Act, like the the slides themselves were pretty interesting, but to hear him actually like walk through it was was great. So um, I'll, I'll make sure and link that on um, the the show notes. But if you're interested in looking at how uh, one person sees themselves as a mercenary as opposed to uh, just like a hired programmer, um, uh, it was really really cool. So if you're looking at doing like freelancing and want to uh, really finely tune your message, uh, I thought that was a really great talk to to check out
0: sounds interesting
1: did you, did, did you remember i think i gave i sent those slides to you maybe did you, you did, remember yeah. seeing this
0: but i'd like yeah. to check the talk out
1: yeah yeah it was pretty cool um and uh we talked about jonathan renink's talk on um uh from uh from zero Plate. to the php league story of plates yeah um i talked to him about that because i was having some questions about my sculpt and talk title and uh he <clears throat> sent me to a link that was uh the uh, PHP Package Checklist com. Uh, hmm. That's a it's a really long run on thing, uh, but PHP Package Checklist com. If you go there, uh, it's actually a really really cool. Uh, little it looks like it's actually like a little app that shows you all of the things that you need to make sure you're going to do if you're going to build a package, um, and you know everything from licenses to dependencies and documentation. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing. He said that he extracted that from the um, from the talk that he gave at True North PHP on on the plates thing. So I, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to him on that because it looked like a pretty cool little thing he put together. Um, and uh, Matthias Novak. Is that, do, you, do you know if that's how you pronounce his name? Is it, near,
0: enough, I, near enough. Near I'd enough.
1: Near enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. Hello. Beck and Luke her are down here now and he's kind of putting his Beck's uh, <laughs> holding him over my shoulder so he can see. He had this uh, little shy smile. Hi Luke. You say, Hi Dave. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Hey Rebecca. Oh he says Bonjour. <laughs> wow, he, he's bonjour. learning French, so <laughs> <laughs> um Uh so yeah, uh Matthias Novak, um he's doing uh uh a, the the title is an Advanced Symphony Application Architecture Training European Training Tour two thousand fifteen. Did you see that yet?
0: Yeah, I actually uh I pinged him on Twitter actually to uh, just give him a heads up on a little bit of English. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I think he, he, he even in his reply he said there was what well, that was one of the particular um words he struggled with or or something. I mean obviously English is a second language to him.
1: Yeah. But, uh but that's a hexagonal architecture uh hexagonalarchitecture.eu and there's a hyphen in there between hexagonal architecture. Yeah, I, I was pretty excited that that looked like a pretty cool thing that he's putting together. So
0: yeah, he's a really nice chap as well, and uh, he knows a lot. So
1: yeah, so I wanted to uh, make sure and get that get a shout out there for anyone who might be uh, in the path of that tour. You might want to check that out. Um, and then uh, someone that I know from Silex channel is uh, Kevin Boyd uh, beryllium Nine. Um, did you see his DREF
0: project? Yes, only briefly, but yeah, I did see. Yep,
1: yeah, it's DREF.link, link, which I thought was a really cool title. Or, really cool URL, D E R E F dot link. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a way to unwrap um, suspicious short URLs or just short URLs in general. So, it's a little yeah. Silex application, I believe. So,
0: yeah, uh, Silex and Angular. And I think mm-hmm. he's using it as a sort of basis to write a little ebook, I think. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's a cool project if you want to check that out or if you want to see a interesting use of Silex and Angular. Mm-hmm. Um, And the last thing I want to talk about was palantir.net. Uh, they have another holiday, uh, page this year. Um, it's, uh, palantir.net slash holiday, 2014. Uh, they had a holiday sh- page last year, which was uh, a Sculpin page actually. Um, so I asked them this year, they, they, they announced it yesterday on the, uh, the hip chat, uh, public channel for the whole company that the, the holiday thing was out, um, So I asked, hey, is it a Sculpin site again this year? And they said, yep. So (laughs) um, uh, Palantir is a really awesome supporter of Sculpin. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, But uh, if you want to go to the Holiday Channel, they're doing something really cool this year. Um, Palantir as a company is um, uh, giving to certain organizations. I think there's like maybe six or nine, somewhere around there. Uh, Different organizations that sort of uh, represent things that their company... uh, Likes to support uh, things like transparency. Um, I should have I should have written down some notes here. Uh, things like transparency. So like the uh, EFF is listed as one of the the places that they're going to give money to. Uh, but they've set aside a bunch of money to give to each of these places. So all of these places are going to get some funds um, this year. Uh, but they're also going to uh, they have like reserved an extra amount of money that they're going to give to whichever one gets the most uh, response. So if you want to give money to any of these places, uh, you can go to palantir.net slash holiday 2014. Uh, you can give money through their website and uh, the place that gets receives the most money or the most traction or the most uh, referral links, uh, they're going to send their, their little extra bonus money to that company. So if you're really excited about any of these things and you want Palantir to give extra money to them, uh, you can give money through their website and then Palantir may potentially uh, give to your, your charity of choice if that's the one that most... Um, if that's the one that wins by by voting, I guess so.
0: Yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a cool little project.
0: And I think that's it. Uh, I had a I think I went through those in record time. <laughs> awesome. Um, you actually just spared me about to something, but it's quite a big discussion, or I think it could be. Um, did you see Erica Heidi's blog post the other day about the art of programming? Um, no, I didn't. I think uh, as an artist as well, because you you. you you're mm-hmm. into the arty things much more than i am. Mm-hmm. Um, i think it's something we could discuss and um, so but we'll save it for uh, i'll put the url in the show notes but uh we'll save it for another time.
1: okay cool sounds good. yeah so this is our our last episode of the year i'm imagining because we only have what 10 more days that's right or, yep so yeah so uh between now and our next episode uh, uh beck's birthday will have happened so uh say a pre-birthday for her. Uh, pre-birthday wishes. If anyone wants to send them to Ninja Girl, say yeah, uh,
0: happy birthday back.
1: Yep. Our Ninja Girl stuff, rather, is her 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 handle. Put that in yep. the show
0: notes correctly. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, and we'll be in a new year. So. Yeah. Well, happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays to you, Bo. I'll probably speak to you in about an hour or so. Anyway.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy everyone. holidays to everybody, and happy holidays to you and your family. I hope you're gonna gonna have a lot of fun this year.
0: Yeah. You too. No, th- thanks everyone for listening
1: yep alright that's a wrap you've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave you can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us, but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox. Like the music? You can thank Grillo for allowing us to sample the track Dust Kingdom for our intro and outro. You can find Dust Kingdom and other tracks by Grillo at grillo.bandcamp.com spelled g-r-i-l-l-o